this is chapter 17, Genesis 17, amen, and verse 15, Genesis 17 and verse 15. Praise God. Genesis 17 and 15, amen. Well, sometimes when we begin a new year, um, the Lord has a, a new subject or a new topic um, for us, and, and sometimes we just continue over into the new year what we started uh, in the previous year, and, and that's going to be the case at least for a little while on both Sundays and Wednesdays, our, our studies. Um, still got many, many pages of notes uh, on both of those subjects, and so feel compelled to, uh, to continue with those by the Holy Spirit. Um, but tonight, we're going to continue um, studying on the subject of faith, specifically walking by faith. The Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. And we said to practically, you know, to walk by sight means to align your thoughts, words, and actions with the way things look, seem, and feel. But to walk by faith is when we align our thoughts, words, and actions with what God has said in His Word in spite of the way things may look, may seem, or may feel. And we spent some time developing that last year, but... Tonight we're going to kind of bridge over into some new things. I'm not sure how far into all this we'll get. But the Lord began to speak to me uh, actually a couple of months ago on the difference between probability and His ability. Probability and His ability. And as we looked at the difference between genuine faith and pretend or simulated faith, because the Bible teaches that there's a difference between someone who's really in faith, believing God for healing or some financial breakthrough or some turnaround in in their life or some situation. There's a difference between someone who is in genuine faith and someone who is not, someone who thinks they are, but but really and truly they're not. And, and we said that if something is simulated, it, it has all the characteristics of, of what's real. It, it looks from the outside looking in, it appears to be real, but it's not real, it's not genuine. And so as we build on that and we build on what it means to walk by faith, we see that one of the reasons there's so much pretend or feigned, as the Bible uses that word, King James Version, or simulated faith in the body of Christ is because a lot of what people are calling faith and are thinking is faith is really nothing more than their confidence in this thing called probability. Probability. So, the Bible says that all things are possible to him who believes. Now, just curious, am am I the only one that's wanted that to say probable instead of possible? You understand what I mean by that? It's it's like, well, okay, possible, if we're not careful, we'll have, you know, almost like a disappointment at that idea because we don't want something to be possible. We want it to be probable. We want it to be likely. We, 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 We want it to... 
like, you know, be like 95% probable that it's going to happen. Not possible, but see again, that's we're, we're not understanding the words and the subtle difference between those words and how we get caught up in what the Lord's calling in, in, the terminology he, he gave to me is probability thinking. Probability thinking. And that has to do with where you know, we look at a situation, some problem in our lives, and, and, and we go to this line of, of thinking that you know, is like, well, how likely, how probable, what are the chances that this is going to turn out favorable? And, and we get this false impression that we're in faith if the chances are pretty good that it's going to turn out favorable whether God intervenes or not. Amen. It's like, well, you know, because, um, you know, let me show you another way where, where this is expressed. There's nothing left to do now but pray. So what does that mean? That, it means, that means we've exhausted all other possible physical answers, solutions. In other words, we can't borrow our way out. We can't manipulate our way out. We can't lie our way out. We can't buy our way out. We, there's, we can't medicate our way out. We, we can't operate our way out. We can't educate our way out. So now it's like we've, you know, we've tried everything else. There's nothing left to do now but pray. And again, prayer should be our first go-to, not our last resort. I know it's raining, so you probably didn't hear me. Prayer should be our first go-to, not our last resort. So when we get caught up in this probability thinking, it undermines what genuine faith really is. And genuine faith is faith in God's ability. So not probability, but His ability. His ability. His ability. And so as the Lord asked Abraham, He said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? So notice, God's like, look, I'm not asking you how likely this is that it's going to happen. I'm not asking you what the probability is that it's going to happen. I'm preaching, I haven't even read this text yet, but this, just stay with me. I'm going to go with the flow for a minute, all right? So we're going to jump into the middle of Abraham's story. Remember, God told him he's going to have, have a son. Him and Sarah are going to have, have not just a son, but they're going to have nations, more children than the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the beach. And this was when they were well up in age and childless, past the age of bearing children, and have no children, and yet God says that Abraham and Sarah are going to have a child. Well, we know that they tried to make it more probable. So, I know, again, mixed company, but we're all adults in here. When a woman reaches a certain age, the terminology is menopause. And, and what that menopause, and what that simply means is all the eggs she started with as a baby girl are now gone. There's, there's no more eggs in her body to impregnate in order for her to have a child. And that's where Sarah was. Sarah 
had been through menopause possibly 40 years at this point, past postmenopausal. Are you know what I'm In other words, but even when she was um, young and and you know she wasn't able to conceive through physical natural means, but now there's nothing in her body to conceive. There, there's no eggs there. Now, think about it too. And man, Sarah must have been some kind of beautiful woman because, I mean, she is like way up in years and kings are trying to drag her into their harem. I mean, amen, right? So a beautiful woman, but no more eggs in her body to impregnate. So let, let, let me, again, I know it's mixed company, but the probability of her becoming pregnant is zero. Are you following what I'm saying? Zero. Zero. So Abraham and Sarah decided they were going to help God out because clearly it's too hard for God to bless a woman who is 30 to 40 years postmenopausal uh, with a child. And so they decide to increase the odds. All right? Now, they're going to increase the odds by Abraham trying to have a child with Sarah's handmaiden, Hagar. Now, Hagar is young and and healthy and full of eggs, right? But Abraham is way up in years. And so in the same way that the outward part of us is um, reaches a peak and then begins to steadily age and decline, okay, that, that happens to the male body as well. Now, again, not trying to embarrass anybody in here, Abraham was still producing seed to fertilize an egg, but, you know, again, everybody's different, but at his age, it would have been greatly diminished from when he was in his 20s. Everybody still with me? Okay, my mom and dad are sitting right back there, so if y'all think I'm going any further than this or using anything else, you're wrong. All right, okay. All right. Amen. I don't know where me and my brother and sister came from, but I, yeah, amen, we're here. All right, so, all right. Okay, Stork brought us, amen. All right. So, the chances of Abraham impregnating anybody are low. But the chances of him impregnating Sarah are zero. Okay? So we're going to increase the odds. We're going to increase the probability. We're going to increase the likelihood by him attempting to impregnate Hagar. And it worked. She became pregnant. And I'm sure somebody was screaming miracle. I'm sure somebody was wanting to stand up and give a testimony. You know, but 
Obviously, that's kind of a hard thing to testify about, but I'm sure they figured out some way. Do you realize that God said uh, negative? It's not what he said. It's not what he promised. Now, obviously, and, and we had some questions completely unrelated in class, but, you know, about, let's say, someone is not following God's laws and God's rules, but becomes pregnant, does that mean somehow that God doesn't love that child? Or, absolutely not. God loved that child, and he certainly loved Ishmael and blessed Ishmael and protected Ishmael, all right? But that was not what God said. That was something that was conceived in the flesh. And the child of promise, Isaac, was to be conceived by faith. A new nation, not born of the flesh, but born of faith, covenant faith, with God providing the miracle. All right? And so, again, what we have here is with, with Abraham and Sarah and the whole Hagar uh, affair was this idea that we need to increase the odds of something happening that God has promised or that God has spoken. It's not faith. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to help you. It's not faith. I'm sure that in some ways it felt like faith and they, you know, maybe their intentions were, 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 were right and, and all this other stuff. But I'll read it to you in a minute. Abraham is basically going to beg God, let Ishmael live before you. In other words, just let him count, God, and let's move on. But God said, no, it's not, it's not how this is supposed to turn out. All right, Genesis 17. Let's begin in verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, which means princess. But Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. At this point, Ishmael's already been born. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. So look at me for a minute. It's not just that Abraham will be the father of nations, but Sarah is going to be the mother of nations of nations, kings of peoples, that's multiple, right? Not just multiple kings over one nation would descend from her, but multiple kings over multiple peoples, people groups, will be from her. Verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is one hundred years old? 
And shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Then God said, No. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. He goes on to say, As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I've blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. Verse 21, But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Now let's understand something right quick about this line, and I will bless Sarah. When we think of blessing, we think of a prayer before a meal or something we say after someone sneezes. But this blessing is serious business. The word means empowered to prosper. So God is saying that He is going to move upon Sarah's body and empower her to prosper, and specifically empower her to prosper to conceive, not only conceive, but to carry full term and bear a son, the child of promise, named Isaac. Alright. Now, let's go back to verse 17. Abraham had, um, look at me for a moment, Abraham had, like all of us, he had a few moments in his life, right? On a couple of different occasions, he told folks that Sarah was his sister instead of his wife because he was afraid that they'd kill him and take her, right? That's how beautiful she was, how desirable she was. And of course, we see that that God intervened and, and, um, you know, in spite of, even, I guess you could even say lying, you know, that I'm not here to judge anybody, okay, just hear me. Um, and this was another moment, I guess, if, uh, if Abraham could rewrite the record, you know, um, I'm just saying that tongue-in-cheek, I don't, I don't, because this is part, because we're to, we're to learn from his example. And, and, and yet this was not one of his greatest moments, you know, of faith. After God says this to him, he fell on his face. You you maybe were following along with me, but how many of you thought it was going to say, fell on his face and cried out to God? That's not what he did. He fell on his face and laughed and then said in his heart. Now, we're going to keep bringing this up because to me, it's something the Lord is really, really emphasizing to us right now. And so, again, reminder for some, planting it for the first time for others. The woman with the issue of blood, sick for many years, no doctor could cure her. She tried to increase her odds of recovery by going to many doctors, by spending a lot of money, And the Bible says she suffered many things at the hands of the physicians. In other words, she let them do some horrible things to her body all to try to improve her chances of of living a normal life or at least getting somewhat better than she was. She was in a state of chronic 
decline and, and at the point of, you know, if something doesn't change, this could very well end her life early. And there were all kinds of social uh, uh, inconveniences at, 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 at best, you know, associated with her uh, disease. And so um, the Bible says that she began to say within herself and said within herself continually, if I can but touch the hem of His garment, speaking of Jesus, I will be made whole. Now again, this was, I think, based upon what the prophet said, that when the Messiah came, there would be healing in His wings, the fringes of His garment. So based upon the Word of God, she began to say this within herself, continually, right? And this caused her faith to grow. And when she finally acted that faith, acted on that faith, and grabbed hold to the back of Jesus' garment, the Bible says virtue, healing, the healing power of God flowed from Jesus into her body and healed her, yet Jesus turned around, asked who touched me, and told her, your faith made you whole. Your faith, not... He didn't say, I just healed you, lady, give me some thanks. No, he said, your faith... He could have... He would have been correct if he would have said, virtue went out of me and healed you. Give thanks to God. No, no. He said... Why did he say it that way? Because he wanted us all to see. Your faith, your faith made you whole. Right? So she said within herself, so we've been asking you for several weeks now, what are you saying within yourself? What are you saying within yourself continually? And does it need to change to something better? Amen? So now notice in Abraham's situation, he didn't just fall on his face and laugh, but he also was saying something in his heart. He said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Notice there's a question mark there. And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And then after saying that within himself, this is when he then says to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. In other words, come on, God. It's impossible. It was a miracle that I was able to have a child with um, Hagar. And now, you're telling me that that's not good enough. Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. Now, Fell on his face, laughed, and said in his heart. Fell on his face, laughed, and said in his heart. The two things that he said in his heart, although it's important, the most important thing that I want you to see is that those two things were said in his heart in the form of questions. Questions. Shall a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? That's a question. He was asking that inwardly. And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Again, a question. What is he looking for? He's looking for probability. He's looking for probability. He's trying to find one ounce of how can I pull this off? How is this going to work? How is this going to happen? And those two questions, again, they reveal where he was, where his heart was, where his mind was, where his thinking was. 
Can I offer to you tonight that if this doesn't change, if the question that he is saying within himself doesn't change, this child's not going to be conceived. Now, turn over with me one, you may not have to turn, Genesis 18 and verse number 9. Genesis 18. I'll tell you what, let me, I'm just going to read real quick. I need to get this part laid out tonight. So let me just read it real quickly and then we'll, we'll slow down. Verse, chapter 18, verse 1. Then the Lord appeared to him, this being Abraham, by the terebinth tree of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass uh, on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and they stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? So he said, here in the tent. Now, let's, let's put on the brakes here for a moment. I can tell you this in, in 30 seconds, or I can tell you this in 30 minutes. Let me just give it to you in 30 seconds, all right? This was the Lord Jesus, okay? This, this was, and, and there are things about this I'll be the first to tell you I do not understand. That's why I said I could tell you in 30 seconds or 30 minutes. Some of it will never be understood unless you understand it by faith anyway. But this is, this is the Lord coming to him. Okay, in human form and, and, and speaking to him. So when the, the letters and the pronouns are capitalized in, in Lord and him, again, it's, it's speaking of a pre-incarnate, which means before Jesus was born from the womb of the Virgin Mary. He was, remember the Bible says that we entertain angels unaware. In other words, they look and seem like humans. They're in human form among us, but... They weren't born of a woman. Now Jesus, when He came in the flesh, um, He didn't just come in the form of, of flesh, but He was born um, of Mary's womb, but the seed of God. Amen. All right, that's more than 30 seconds. Let's look closely at what happens. Then they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? And so he said, here in the tent. And he said, notice capital H, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah your wife shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Because if you think the walls of your apartment are thin, what if you lived in a tent, right? All right, so. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, 
shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. Now, we don't have, look at me for a minute, we don't have two sentences here, but again, laughing, saying in herself, and what amounts to two questions. Two questions. After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. So, both Abraham and Sarah laughed at the Lord when He said they were going to have a child together. Why? Because again, it seemed so far-fetched to them that it was literally laughable. Why was it literally laughable? Why did Abraham fall on his face and laugh? Because there was no probability. There was no, there, 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 there was, there was no glimmer of hope. In other words, he found probability where him getting Hagar pregnant was concerned, but him getting Sarah pregnant, again, zero chance of that happening. We're not talking about slim and none. We're talking about none. No chance of that happening. Verse 13, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Notice now, that is a question, a new question. At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. All right. I don't have time to finish this tonight, but let me, let me just give you a few things to work on, all right? Questions. Questions. The devil loves questions. He loves to try to impregnate you with questions that you don't have answers for. Because there are certain questions that you can ask within yourself that will lead you deeper and deeper into doubt and unbelief and further and further away from breakthrough and victory. As long as Abraham and Sarah are saying within themselves, we're too old, we're past the age of childbearing, how can this be? This is not ever going to happen. This is laughable. This is ridiculous. Who does he think we are? Does he not know how old we are? Does he not know how impossible this is? Why didn't he come to me? I'm sure I'm... Forgive me, Sarah. I'm sure she's probably sitting there thinking, why didn't you come to me when I was 25, dude? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it's like, you know, give me, cut me some slack here, you know. Um, and now it's almost like, I, I'm not saying they did, but can you see how they would even get offended at this? Want a child their whole life, and now this late in the game, so to speak? You know, and, and so again, question, 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 question. So notice what God in His beautiful, infinite wisdom does. He gives them a new question to consider. He gives them a new question to ask within themselves. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Abraham and Sarah shifted that day from how is it 
probable that we're going to have a child to instead asking within themselves, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I believe every time the thought came to them, we're too old, how is this going to ever happen? That they, because you can't think two thoughts at the same time, they displaced the thought that leads to doubt and unbelief with a new thought and a new question asked them by the Lord. And this is a question now that is leading them to stronger and greater faith, to victory and inheriting the promise. What's the big deal about questions? Questions, questions provoke thought. Questions provoke thought. And again, the Holy Spirit, as is, as is the case with any of this, He's going to have to show you, and if you want to see it, He'll show you. He's going to help us. I, we've already been talking about this. Amen. But I want you to start becoming aware of, even now, for the things that you're believing God for in your life right now, I want you to examine the questions that you're asking within yourself that are, that are generating more and more doubt and unbelief. When we drag this over into the New Testament in Romans 4, it simply says this, that Abraham considered not his own body now dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb but became strong in faith, not being weak in faith, not staggering at the promises of God, by giving glory to God. And this is what he determined. He came to the conclusion that if God said it, God was able to do it. Nothing to do with the probability. Everything to do with His ability. Now see, if you, if you will let the Lord help you shift out of probability thinking into God's ability thinking, see, as long as you're stuck in, you know, when, Lord, when, why, Lord, why, how, Lord, how. I, no, 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 see. How about just simply this? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Man, when the devil starts, I, that's just become my new go-to now. When he starts, how are you going to do this? How are you going to pay for that? How the, I, is there anything too hard for the Lord? I'm not going to sit there and, and, and marinate, meditate on those kinds of questions that eventually, if you're not careful, all of a sudden fear will start rising up in you. You'll start thinking, we're going under, we're going down, we're this, we're... No, 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 no. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? So you start asking yourself that question and then allowing it to provoke thoughts in your mind. You're going to stop staggering at the promises of God and start laying hold of the promises of God, you're going to start becoming strong in faith, and it's just a matter of time that you become so fully convinced that you can't see it any other way. They went from falling on their face and laughing to laying that boy on an altar and drawing back a knife to stab him in the chest. Going to burn his body alive and watch God raise up a nation out of the ashes, man. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Stand with me tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I'll, I'll give you some more specific definitions and things next week. We've got we to look at the difference and, and, and get established in our hearts what the word probable means and what the word possible means. Amen. And I think some of this will, will really start to, to really come alive. Um, uh, amen. You get anything out of this? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you. 
Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for showing us. Thank you for helping us. Thank you, Father, for your word. And thank you, Father, that you're showing us how to fight the good fight of faith by asking the right questions instead of the wrong ones. Asking questions that generate and foster faith and build faith, Lord, and, 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 and replace, displace um, those questions that torment us and cause fear and unbelief and doubt and worry and, 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 and make us weak in faith and cause us to stagger at your promises and, and cause us to, to even, Lord, inwardly mock at the, at the very idea of the things that, that you have promised to us, Lord. So thank you, Father. For this time together this evening, thank you, Father, for helping us lay hold of these things that you've spoken to our hearts tonight. Thank you, Father, that as we go our separate ways, we'll let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify you, Father, in heaven. Pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen and amen. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. We'll